Hello and welcome to Undressing the Issue with myself, Julia Alperovich. So today on this fine sunny day in Los Angeles, as I mentioned in our first episode, one of the most important topics I'm faced with all the time in talking about issues of sex, relationships, intimacy, trauma, betrayal, infidelity, is boundaries. Boundaries is basically an issue that most people, male, female, or otherwise, are faced with at some point in their relationships. So boundaries are complicated, and I'll get into how I define them, but part of it is not just in setting them, but it's also in maintaining them. It's in understanding what kind of boundaries you need how to express them, and how to get past the things that hold you back from really being able to ask for what you need. So the way that I define boundaries, first and foremost, I consider boundaries to be requests for safety. So what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example. I think that'll be the best way to explain it. So if you tell your partner that you need more time with them, you would like to have a date night more often than you currently do, or you'd like to have more conversations, you're setting a boundary. What you're saying is, I'm not okay with the limited amount of contact and interaction and emotional intimacy that we have right now. So you can do this in the context of just about anything. You can set boundaries around space, emotions, communication, sex, your body, just about anything. But boundaries are necessary and they're important to have a good relationship. So if these are requests for safety, meaning in order for me to feel secure with you, this is what I need. You're making a request. You're asking your partner to show up for you. So if that is the case, what do we do if our partner doesn't want to or if they can't or if they try to for a while and then they start to fall short and we go back to our same old patterns so i'd like to get into that a little bit today so i often work with betrayed partners people who are in relationships with somebody who has committed infidelity either out of just it being infidelity and having an affair, developing a connection with another person, or they may have some sort of compulsive pattern of behaviors. Maybe it's even an addiction. So what happens is the people who are betrayed in this situation, whether this is something that's compulsive or it was something very intentional, they're hurt, they're betrayed, they're angry, they're sad, they're scared that it might happen again, There may be losses that come with this, right? There may be financial losses. There may be reputation losses or job losses. It could be just about anything. So oftentimes they find themselves moving into a phase of trying to rebuild trust with the person who betrayed them, which is terrifying and understandably so. If you betrayed me and I had to rely on you to make it up to me and actually show up for that and i had no control over it i literally just had to give you the opportunity to do it 
and my job was to sit back and watch, yeah, I'd probably be scared too. And I think that's understandable. But so many people find themselves in this situation. So this is where boundaries are so important. Basically, in order for you to feel safe while you're waiting, you can still set expectations in the form of boundaries or requests for safety. So the communication of these boundaries often gets to become a problem. It's difficult for people, especially, I don't want to generalize, but I'm going to in this case. So women, as women, we're often socialized in a way that teaches us that setting boundaries or being assertive or asking for something that if we do it too much, we're either going to be nagging or we're considered pushy, bitchy, bossy, uh, not feminine, needy, all of the above. Anything you could think of is probably accurate. So this often interferes with a woman's ability to ask for what she needs. I don't want to be a nag. I don't want to be that annoying voice in my partner's head that's always going, well, I need this and I need that. Well, the reality is you do need things and it's okay to need them. So this holds women back oftentimes and it holds men back too, especially men who tend to be people pleasers. They don't want to ask for too much or they believe they're not worth asking for these things and it gets in the way. So here's what I tell these people. When you're so concerned with how you come off and how your request is received, what you're essentially doing is you're taking care of the other person's needs. You're taking care of their emotional safety. You're doing your darndest to not disrupt their ability to feel comfortable, to feel at ease, and to not have too much demanded of them. You're taking care of their emotional safety. And here's the kicker. You're doing this at the expense of your own safety, which is always going to leave you feeling less than. And that's a shitty feeling. So this is why boundaries are super important. When we don't ask for what we need, we then become resentful because we're not having our needs met. But you can't be resentful if you never asked for it. That's on you. So this is why we get into these little complications and snafus in coupleships around boundaries and communication of them. The reality is, if you're asking for something, it doesn't make you needy or a nag. All it says is you're in a partnership and you need your partner to show up for you, which is a reasonable need. You're not asking for the moon and the stars here. All you're saying is, I'm feeling a certain way and I could easily be reassured around this if I just got a little bit of X, Y, and Z from you, right? If there's been infidelity, if there's been a breach of trust, maybe that request is for transparency. I need to know where you are. I need to know who you're with. I need you to be willing to share with me. I often tell couples who are in this situation who've been through infidelity and a breach of trust that basically the key ingredient to them rebuilding their trust and repairing the relationship is for the person who committed the betrayal to offer consistent, voluntary, 
transparency over an extended period of time. It's these four things that constitute repair that will help the betrayed partner build confidence and trust again. When I see that my other my other person, my partner, not my other half, your other person is not your other half. You are a whole in yourself. They are your partner. <laughs> so I will never call them my other half. But when you see that they are offering you information, they are voluntarily, they're taking the initiative to let you know what's happening, where they're at, what they're doing, so that you don't have to worry, and you see them doing this consistently over an extended period of time, knowing that when you're out of their sight, they're worried because you've already lied to them, it's gonna help them feel better. Sounds like there's a helicopter. My apologies. So this, come on guys. Okay, can I finish? Can I finish? Okay, so anyway. Boundaries, consistent, voluntary transparency over an extended period of time, the formula for rebuilding trust. But it's also an opportunity for the person who committed the betrayal, the breach of the trust, to turn around and demonstrate a commitment and a willingness to do whatever the betrayed partner needs to rebuild. It's a sign of humility. It's eating a slice of humble pie. I will do that for you because I know it's what you need and I want to show up for you and be a contributing partner in this relationship. And right now, I'm in a one down. I fucked up, so I'm going to make this up to you. It is my work of restitution to repair. Great. When people still hold stuff back and they share part of the truth or they're reluctant or my personal favorite, this is great. When they offer the transparency, but then it comes with, well, if you have to know, and since I have to tell you, here's what I'm doing. If you're gonna rub it in, you're defeating the purpose of all your efforts. If you're gonna make somebody feel guilty for needing this from you after you've broken their trust, you're not gonna rebuild it. In fact, you're just going to prolong the resentment. And it's not right, it's not fair, and if you walk into my office and you tell me it's what you're doing, I'm gonna call you on your shit, because it's not all right. So, we started out, we've already touched on what boundaries are, and we've touched on why they're necessary, when they're necessary. Rebuilding trust could be a whole other series of episodes, it's kind of a huge topic. But I also want to touch on, as far as boundaries go, um, what happens if your boundaries are not respected or violated? So my belief is, and I'm open to hearing other takes on this, but I believe that if your boundary is a request for safety and that request is not honored or respected or is violated, then there need to be consequences. Quite frankly, I think that boundaries are kind of useless if there are no consequences to them being violated. I mean, what's the point? For example, if you have rules for your kids, you can't have sweets after 7 p.m. 
and your kid goes and sticks his hand in the cookie jar and pulls out a fat chocolate chip cookie and you do nothing about it, well, what's going to stop that kid from doing it again? Your rule, your boundary is useless. If there's nothing that happens when it's not honored or respected. So consequences, this is kind of an interesting one. So oftentimes we, when we set consequences or when my clients try to set consequences, they end up feeling punitive. It's like a punishment. Well, you didn't do what I told you, so now I'm gonna punish you. No, that's not the point. That's not the point. I mean, unless that's like your kink, well, all respect, fine. But what it's meant to be is a guarantee of safety. If you can't give it to me, then I have to do what I have to do to protect myself, to make myself feel safe. So what, how do you set consequences? What is a reasonable consequence? Well, I think that it should be reflective of the type of violation of your boundary. If your boundary is, I don't want you having sex with anybody else outside of our relationship and somebody does, well, that's kind of serious. Why am I saying kind of? That's really serious. That's a massive betrayal. That's really hurtful. So your consequence may be, I can no longer stay in this relationship. If you continue to do this, you are putting my health at risk. You're being hurtful to me. You're not being considerate of me, my feelings, my needs. I'm not going to be able to stay. That's fair game. However, if your boundary is, um, I, I know that you've already betrayed me and you've gone outside our relationship. So I'm uncomfortable with you being at work and having a business meeting with somebody that is, that resembles your old, um, affair partners. Maybe it's a wife saying this to her husband who had an affair with a, whatever, a secretary, a female colleague, a female coworker. And she says, I'm not comfortable with you having closed door meetings one-on-one -on -one or any type of after hours offsite meetups with any female colleagues or coworkers when you're just alone with them one-on-one, -on -one, that's reasonable. Now let's say this husband in this example has to have a meeting with a client or a colleague and it has to be one-on-one -on -one. and there's no way around it. It's required for work and he doesn't let his wife know. There's no infidelity that happened. There was nothing unprofessional. There was nothing inappropriate, but he still violated that boundary well, I'm not sure that breakup is necessary, but maybe it's the sort of thing where you need to say, well, you know, I need you to come to couples therapy with me to talk about how this affected me. Maybe I need you to write me a letter expressing empathy where you can uh, explain your understanding of how this made me feel. I need to understand that you are compassionate to my pain with this. So consequences, again, don't have to be punishments, but it's to establish safety. Safety is the key. I preach about safety all the time. And that doesn't just mean, you know, suicide risk or homicide risk. It means emotional safety too. Feeling secure in your relationship, in your attachment, in your bond with your partner, that also constitutes safety. That's emotional safety. So consequences, 
just to reiterate, are not meant to be punishments. They're not meant to be punitive. It's purely to, in some way, to some degree, guarantee your safety when your request for safety prior to that, your boundary, was either not honored or violated. So, how the hell do we do this? Where do we start? How does one say, uh, honey, I need to sit you down and talk to you about my boundaries and my consequences. Well, in some cases, yeah, just like that. Maybe it's the sort of thing where you gotta write them down, like a contract, and both of you agree to them. I know it sounds ridiculous, but let me tell you, when you're trying to rebuild trust after there's been a betrayal, or there's some type of sex addiction, porn addiction, and the addict is in recovery, this oftentimes is necessary. It's almost like a sobriety plan for that person. So yes, that's one way to do it. It's quite dry and technical and not very relational or interactive, but it's one way to do it. But another way is, well, you probably heard of I statements. Everybody talked about them a few years ago, but taking I statements to another level. I feel insecure and scared and unsafe when you're in a meeting with a female colleague behind a closed door alone. So the, the scenario I'm playing out in my head, what I'm imagining is that you're objectifying this person or you're sexually attracted to them or you might be behaving inappropriately, you might be hitting on them, you might be flirting. Who knows, you might be unzipping your pants and trying to fuck them, I don't know. But my mind goes into worst case scenarios of me getting hurt again. So what I need from you, which is code for the boundary I'm setting, hint, hint, is for you to commit to me to not have closed door one-on-one meetings with female colleagues. And if you are gonna have one that you need to let me know and try to keep the door open, or try to involve a third party in the meeting as much as you can. If you cannot do this for me, and here come the consequences, what I'm gonna need to do to take care of myself is I'm gonna need you to whatever it is that you decided. I'm gonna need you to write me a letter. I'm gonna need you to uh, come to couples therapy with me. I'm gonna need you to, I don't know, whatever it is that you need but it's gotta match the degree of this. And here's the other piece of this. So consequences have to be feasible. As hard as it is to express and lay down a boundary for people because they don't want to upset the other person, they don't wanna seem hurtful, they don't wanna feel like a nag or somebody too needy. With consequences, you can't pick something that even you don't want. For example, If you decided your consequences, if you do anything even remotely close, doesn't matter the degree to which you're out, you have to move out of the house, we're done. Well, if you really don't want that, you're not actually going to implement it. So it's gotta be something that's feasible, something that you can actually implement at any time. So something like, uh, maybe I want you to go to a 12 step meeting. Maybe I want, us to sit down and have a conversation and I want you to really hear me and reflect back to me what you're hearing. I want you to write me an apology letter. I want you to 
make an appointment with a couples therapist. Maybe I want you to talk about it with your therapist. Maybe I want you to talk about it with your psychic. I don't know what your consequences are, but it's got to be something that you can implement in that moment that is something that is going to make you feel safer and better and something that is also easily done. That's why the moving out thing, maybe you don't have a place where you can move out. Maybe it's not affordable to you to manage two households. Whatever the case may be, it has to be feasible. So maybe for that evening, I need you to sleep on the couch. I need you to sleep in the guest room. I don't know. I need you to sleep on the bathroom floor. Well, let's not be disrespectful, but, but it is important that your consequences, again, are not punishments, but they are guarantees for your safety. That's really the goal here. Now, here's the tough part. So every single person, regardless of the circumstances and what has happened, is entitled to safety. So this gets tricky. If you are the person who was betrayed, the person who did the betrayal, who committed that, still is entitled to safety. Just because you're hurt and angry and betrayed doesn't buy you the right to be abusive to them and to compromise their safety. So I consider everything from name calling, threatening physical harm, um, degrading, demeaning, taunting, bullying, uh, even enacting physical harm or violence, all of this is abusive. So just because somebody cheated on you and you're hurt and you're betrayed and you're pissed off and whatever else, doesn't mean you can turn around and call them every name under the sun. You're a lying sack of shit. You're a fucking asshole. You're useless. You ruined my life. I fucking hate you. All of that stuff. I'm using this as examples because I've heard it repeatedly and it is not okay. Not only is it abusive to that person and they are entitled to safety and to have boundaries, they can say to you, you know, I'm not comfortable with you speaking to me that way. I understand you're upset and you have every right to be, but I'm also not feeling safe with you right now to talk to you or to provide you with any reassurance in this moment. You know, I I, want to help you, but right now I can't. So there's that piece, but the other piece is you're not helping yourself. You're not helping yourself heal. If you've attached all these names and labels to this person, you're going to look at them a certain way. And if your goal is to rebuild trust and repair the relationship, you probably don't want to go forward looking at your partner as a lying sack of shit. That's not helpful. (laughs) Instead, yeah, this is a person who hurt me. This is a person who betrayed me. This is somebody who... um, really, really upset me and disrespected me and humiliated me 100%. Yes, you are spot on. No argument there. But listen, two wrongs don't make a right. Just because this person acted that way doesn't mean that you now have the right or the ability or the justification to do the same thing back to them. So to reiterate, to review, just because you've been hurt and betrayed doesn't buy you the right to be an asshole. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm saying is the person who committed the betrayal also has every right to set boundaries, to communicate their needs for safety. 
And this can be tough when you've been hurt by them and you feel you are owed restitution and you are, but if you're working on that and if you really want this person to show up in that way, they're not gonna feel terribly inclined when you treat them like shit. I don't know about you, but when somebody is mean to me, I don't really feel the urge to do much of anything for them in any way. So you got to remember that you can't expect this person to just bend over and take it when just because they've hurt you and then to turn around after taking it and go take care of you. No, they're going to be they're They're going to be hurt, too. And now you've got this tension and this resentment in between the two of you, which is not helpful for your ultimate goal of repairing and rebuilding. So moral of the story of all of this, my rant about boundaries is that they're so important. They are so valuable. They are necessary for a relationship to be healthy. That is the bottom line. You have to have boundaries. You have to have safety. And you also should have consequences for when your boundaries are not honored that fit the violation of them. So if it's a small violation or it's somebody that forgot, it doesn't mean that you have to go all the way to the other side of the spectrum with what you ask for a consequence. They have to be matching. And everybody, regardless of their actions, regardless of what they've done, everybody is entitled to boundaries and to safety. As difficult as it may be when you're hurt, it is still your job to respect those if you want to remain in this relationship. And even if you don't, again, still doesn't mean you could be abusive. I mean, we all have to be good people. (laughs) So that means we're not just going around treating people poorly and being hurtful and acting like assholes. I mean, that's a whole separate episode, how to be a good person. I feel like this is kind of basic, but boundaries are necessary for healthy relationship. Everybody's entitled to them and they relate back to safety. I'd like to go further in depth on this topic and give you some examples in some later episodes, but I'm hoping that this is a good starting point for you. Once again, thank you for listening to Julia Alperovich, me, and my podcast, Undressing the Issue.